something that, that I'm learning after all these years <laughs> of, of knowing God and pursuing Him, that every time I reach out and connect to Him, He overwhelms me. Like when I really reach out and touch Him, I really touch Him and He touches me. I don't know how to get into words what I'm feeling right now, but the Lord's taken us to a new place in worship where where we would, we would worship Him, we would love on Him, we would experience Him, but He's taken us to another level to where there's like that shock that happens when you touch someone that's been rubbing their feet on the carpet, you know? Like, all it takes is just when you connect and you get shocked, and He's doing that, and um, that's going to happen even more and more as we learn to just connect and stay connected to Him. Uh, so Lord, I just speak that over our church, God that we'll learn to connect to you and stay connected and that we'll begin to experience in greater measure what it means for you to touch us. you pray for your neighbor that thing right there that he'll teach us how to how to respond to him teach us what it means to be touched by him oh jesus jesus just teach us this thing teach us this thing right here how to be loved on by you just to be like little kids and just crawl up in your lap and let you love on us. Teach us to know the encounters with you, the ecstasies of knowing you, Lord. of your goodness in this room.
Lord just wants us to connect to him and to know him, to be close to him, to allow everything that's, that keeps us from the greatest adventure, the greatest experience with him, to allow those things to be removed, whether it's thoughts in our head or it's things that in our past or things from today. He says nothing can separate us from his love. He wants us to know that tonight. He wants us to just press in and um, <laughs> just to pursue him, to turn our heart towards him. To have our hearts set on him. As a church, we just have to learn to, to, to stay with Him, to not, to not look to the left or to the right, to not be distracted. Um, I, I just want to say as, as we continue to grow in our adventure with Him, there's going to be things that we don't understand that happen. There's going to be encounters, there's going to be experiences, there's going to be things that you see that we can't get tripped up in our minds over those things. Just, I, this is what I want to say, just Will you do this with me as we grow as a church in the supernatural and the spirit realm? Will you learn to just recognize his presence? Like, if we can do that, like, oh, that's God. If we can learn to discern whether it's God or not, then whatever happens will never trip us up because all we have to say is, God, is that you? And he'll say yes or no, and then we won't get tripped up over stuff. Because I, 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 a lot of the things, I've been raised in Pentecost my whole life. Literally, from day, I was born on a Wednesday in church on a Sunday. I haven't missed much since. And uh, so I, I've been raised in Pentecost. I've seen things. I've done crazy things. I've jumped pews and, and uh, things that I never thought I would do. And I've seen people do things that I never thought possible. And it's not about those things, right? But I'm sure not afraid of them. <laughs> you know, I'm not afraid of it. I've seen my, my grandfather who struggled with, with uh, guilt, who just beat himself up. He hated himself to the point where he was riddled with arthritis. Uh, he had golf ball growths on almost all the joints that you could see. His shoes, he couldn't fit his shoes on. His elbows, were there were golf balls from, from arthritis. And it came, the root of it was self-hatred. And he could never get free from it. And uh, I remember one service, he was sitting in the second pew and God hit him. And he hopped from his seat over the pew. And I was like, that's not my grandpa. Because <laughs> that's not something he would be able to do or would do. Uh, he thought it was strange. Um, but when, when God's in a room, we're going to react in ways that who knows. And um, I just want us as a church to just be able to recognize whether it's God or not. And then not get tripped over, wait, that can't happen. Well, it did just happen, so <laughs> it can't happen. Don't trip, trip over your minds about it. Um, you know, I think it was two weeks ago I had a dream. Um, it was a Saturday night. And, and my dream, we came into service on Sunday morning. And it was a second service. So we'd already had an early service, and it was already full. And there were no more seats and Kyle was just playing a worship song. Uh, what was it again? Brain, brain dead right now. <clears throat> um, and he was playing the song, and so we just began to sing it. And the place went crazy. People were on the floor. People were going after God. And 
and Terrence and Jose and, and Nick, a couple of guys just started stacking all the chairs and getting them out of the way. And yeah, that, that I really love you. I love you tonight. That's the song. That's all it says. And we were singing that to start the service, and it just wrecked the place. And no one was sitting there trying to figure out what's going on. Like we knew when God's presence came in the room, we could recognize it. It's, it felt like God. And, and I, I was saying all of my Pentecostal background and all the stuff I've seen, and uh, we've cast out demons. I've been a part of doing that. You guys have even seen that happen just not six or seven months ago on a Wednesday night that we had an encounter like that. I've seen this stuff. And, and uh, seven or eight years ago, I met a man, and uh, he just shook my world on what I thought I knew about God. And um, I went to his church. And I saw things that I was like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if that's okay. I mean, people were getting literally zapped. I mean, they would go through a line and someone would, and I'm not kidding you, this is what offended my heart and offended my mind. It offended my mind and revealed what was in my heart. There were young people, 20, 22 years old, and they were part of the school, and they were praying for people like this, zapping them. And I was like, oh, come on, dude, this is ridiculous. What are you doing? You're drawing attention to yourself, and that's totally not what this is for. And I'm talking about when they'd point at someone, they, they would be here and end up over against the wall. I mean, through the air. I'm like, okay, dude, this is just tripping me out. God, I got to have a talk with you. I know this is possible, but this is just, is it necessary? And I'm going through that whole thing. And when you know, at that same conference, my wife and I go get prophesied over and it was two young girls. They were giddy, laughy girls that personally annoyed me. <laughs> you ever been around people? You know, those girls that just giggle because they're, they're, they're nervous. And so they giggle because they're nervous. And it just annoyed me. And I'm just like, oh, God, why? I'm here. I need a word from you. I want to be prophesied over. And you send me to these girls. And, and they're goofy and laughing and just uncomfortable as I'm uncomfortable, and it was just really weird, right? And they start prophesying over my wife and I, and we still have the tape, and we go back and listen to it, and it, it's unbelievable how accurate some of the things they prophesied over us. And guess what one of the things she said would happen? She said, I see you moving in the power of God. She's like, you're going to stretch your hand towards people, and they're going to fly across the room. I was like, uh-uh, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want stuff like that to happen. I just saw it, and I'm offended by it in my mind somewhere. I don't want this. And she starts beginning to prophesy over us what's going to happen in the future and what God's called us to. And God's just taking me on a journey of, Jared, is it, am I in it? If I'm in it, don't try to figure it out until I ask you to try to figure it out. And I'll let you know. I'll teach you what it, what it means to walk into this stuff. But don't mentally get offended over stuff so that you miss out on me. And I feel like that's where we're at as a church, that um, will we give up our right to be offended? That was the question that was asked at this conference. Will you give up your rights to be offended? And I was like, I'm not an offended person. Yet the whole conference, I'm trying to judge everything. Oh, I don't know, man. That's kind of weird. I'm trying to, yeah, my word was discern. Later I found out that that's just a fancy way of covering up your judging <laughs> right?
And, he, and, and that's one of the things that we even teach, that he's trying to sync up our spirit, mind, and body, however you want to say it. He wants to sync it up to where we're in sync with him. And that, that is where we're going. And um, needless to say, the, the stuff doesn't scare me anymore. Um, I, I always, because I've been in church, and, and you just have that, this is the way the Lord told me. He said, discernment without mercy becomes judgment. So anytime we're trying to discern the spirits and it's without mercy, it's without grace, we will always err into judgment. But when we look through things through the eyes of mercy and grace, what's grace and mercy? When we don't get what we deserve and when we get what we don't deserve. So I grew up where I want to know this this 22-year-old's lifestyle before I believe that he can pray for people and them do that. Because I wanted judgment. I didn't want mercy. I didn't want grace. I wanted works to prove out, outcomes in life and experiences in life. Works determined what we did. I grew up where the more you pray, the more you spend with God, the more power you can give publicly. And God doesn't work necessarily like that. Like, he, he can take a little kid that doesn't know theology and astound people. There are five-year-olds around the world preaching to thousands of people and raising the dead. And they don't even know theology. You have a, a kid who, who dies and goes to heaven. The, little, the, the story, the heaven is a real place, or whatever it's called. The, the book that you guys are talking about. This kid comes back telling things that he never learned. I mean, so God can do anything. So for us to think, oh, we have to know it fits into our grid. Um, it's really foolish for us to think that. And so God's just taking us now as, as a church. Like now it's time to begin to see things that are going to challenge what we, what we think we know. I, I, I think that's on its way. Yeah? <sighs> I've been in, in this room and feathers have come down in this room and there were no birds. <laughs> Just these perfect little feathers. I've seen diamonds and gems in service. So I'm not really freaking out anymore over stuff. I just don't want us to pursue those things and forget the presence. Because his presence is the key to all of it. He's the key. So, I mean, if we pursue him and go after him, then the Bible says these signs will follow those who believe. The signs point to, point to a greater reality. The exit sign isn't the, the destination. It points to the destination. Right? Right? So the signs point to a greater reality. What they're trying to do is show us that there's a realm that's superior to the realm we see and live in. And if we can access it, then we can have what's in that realm manifest in our realm. And that's where we're going as a church. And, and as we were singing, um, I was just reminded of Moses saying, show me your face, God. I, I want to see your face. And God's like, impossible. If, you will be disintegrated if you see my face. And he's like, oh, but there's a place where I will hide you, and I will, I will show you the hinder parts of me. And uh, if you'll read it, it says that, and God allowed all of his goodness to pass in front of Moses. He saw God's goodness. He asked to see God's face, and God showed him his goodness. And the Bible says that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the Holy One. And I think that that's talking about knowing his goodness. And so I'm wanting us as a church to pursue it, that we begin to know his goodness and experience it um, and really know what that means. So God, I just ask that as a church you would teach us 
to pursue your presence, to pursue your face, and that in the process we'll see your goodness. And that we can fill the earth with the knowledge of your goodness. There's, there's a divide going on right now that's, that's going to be fixed, but right now there's a divide in the church between, I guess, between judgment and, and, and mercy, really. And, and it's all about how good is God, how good is He really? Is He really that good? And you've got some people that are, that are just, let's get out of here, the world's going to hell, it's going to get worse. You've got that side of it, and then you've got the other side of it that says, no, wait a second, he put us in charge of the planet, so if it's going to get worse, it's because we let it get worse. <laughs> he, gave, he gave us charge of the planet. Whatever condition it's in right now, it's, it's because it's what we've allowed. Because we've been given all power and all authority. We've been seated with Christ in heavenly places above powers, principalities, rulers. We've been given the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. We've been given the ability to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So if we're not experiencing it on earth, we don't need to stop and say, oh, that's exactly what Jesus said would happen. Oh, it's just going to be worse and worse and people aren't going to love God and the love of many is going to grow cold. And, and we can do all that. Or we can say, wait a second, let's prophesy other things. No, let's, let's pray that more people go to heaven than go to hell. Let's pray that people begin to know the goodness of God. Let's pray that people realize that God's only enemy is Satan and not man. Let's begin to shift the, the conversation here. And, and God's doing this, and he wants us as a church to jump in on that. And we're always, we're going to err on the side of God's goodness. You guys okay? I don't even, we've got other stuff planned for tonight. Again, same lesson from last week, and I guess I'm not getting to it tonight. I don't know, maybe. But, like, specifically, God wants us to err on his goodness, not on judgment as a church. It's... So get ready to be challenged in, um, in, in areas of justice. What does justice look like in terms of God being good? Like to us, justice is when people get what they deserve. Pretty much, right? In, in our world, if someone commits a crime, then justice is them paying for the crime they commit. But the Bible says that justice has come to the world, or judgment has entered the world at the cross, where Jesus paid for all the sins of the whole, whole earth at the cross, and if we just access him and commune, commune with him, commit to him, then we can have everything that he paid for at the cross. That's what justice is. Justice no longer is where people get what they deserve. Justice is when they get mercy, when they get grace. So I'm one of those justice people. Eye for an eye, baby. You do the crime, you do the time. I'm just that kind of a person. My wife's also that kind of person. God's been shifting. Yeah, you are. <laughs> She's a justice person in, in, in almost every sense of the term. Don't shake your head, no. You're not supposed to contradict, right? <laughs> so what the Lord's been doing is, what does justice look like in the terms of God being a good God and not an angry God? And that's what he's taking us into. And I think that's, I don't know why I'm even talking about this stuff tonight, but 
It says that those that, <clears throat> those that pursue judgment will have no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. That's what time we're in right now. That's the season that we're in as a church. And um, we just got to get it. We got to get it. And it, it'll mess you up when you start going, thinking this stuff through. Like, no, they deserve grace instead of punishment. Wait a second. That doesn't, how are they ever going to learn their lesson if they're not punished? It's just kindness that brings us to repentance. Whoa. It's not punishment. It's not like spanking their hand or, you know, lean against the wall for 30 minutes. And then when you're done, you can come back to practice kind of thing. That, that's not what it is at all. That doesn't ever produce inside of us righteousness. So... I don't know. That's extra. Yeah, the word. It disciplines. He disciplines those he loves. How does he do that? He brings us into alignment. How does he do that? With his word, it's vision. It's boundaries on our life. They're good for us. And we talk so much about that. We talked about it even Sunday, just having vision and boundaries for our life. It's good for us. Um, it keeps us anchored to who we're supposed to be. Yeah? You guys okay? Anyone have a question? I don't know. Let's take questions. I could go into the lesson, but it's, lo- it's longer than a... 10 or 15 minute lesson, I don't want to do that and we'll be here too long. So let's just open up the floor. Questions? Any kind of question. I don't care. Let's just go for it. Let's see what we can learn tonight through questions. And all that stuff, the way I look at it too is then we begin to protect our relationship with him. Like when we fall in love with, with him, we want to protect the connection. You know, it, it, it's like your husband, your wife, your, your, your children, your parents, somebody you really love. When you really are in love with him and you, you absolutely love them, you want to protect the relationship with them. You don't want to disappoint him. You don't want to hurt him. Because love protects. It hopes. It, it defends and, and so when we fall in love with the Lord and we get, begin this journey of being transformed into his likeness and all these things happen as kindness, then all of a sudden we want to protect our relationship with him. It affects our behavior. It affects the decisions that we make. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then he 
keeps no records of wrong. <laughs> Think about that one for a while. He keeps no record of wrongs. So what I've come to understand, and, and you know, this is that very thin line, you've got to stay, stay careful, it's a tightrope walk. If he keeps no record of wrongs, then how am I going to know whether or not I go to heaven or hell, or whether what I've done is righteous or not righteous? We are judged by our connection to him, not by what we do. Oh, this is where we can really dig. Because we think works make us right with him. But the Bible says that we will, we will definitely be judged one day by, by our, for our works, the things that we do. But he says, many will come to me and say, hey, we did this in your name. We prophesied. We raised the dead. We healed the sick. We preached the gospel. We did all this stuff. And he's like, so? What did, what did he say to him? Depart from me, why? I don't know you. So that, like, we can do everything that seems to be righteous. We can cast demons out. We can go to church. We can witness. We can win people to the Lord. We can do all of that and get to heaven. And there's no scorecard on those things. The scorecard is, do we know him or not? He judges our heart connection to him. Abide in me. John 15 is the answer to this whole thing. And I will abide in you, and then you'll produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. Does that mean we don't do righteous things? No. It means that they have to come from my connection to him. I think about that a lot of times. When we're standing there on judgment day, I don't think that he's going to go to a, a, a record of all the things we did wrong and go, this, 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 and this is why you're going to hell. You killed 80 people. You blew up a building. You did this, you did this, you did this. I don't think that any of that is going to be how he grades us. I believe he's simply going to say, did you know me and did I know you? Simple. Then we'll be judged by what we did according to whether we knew him or not. If we knew him and we healed the sick, we cast out demons, we, we did the works of the kingdom, then we're going to get rewards for that. The rewards comes from what we do, but only when it comes from being connected to him. Jesus was just a typical man, flesh form, but he was a man who was rightly connected to the Father. He was all man. He wasn't... I mean, he, he was flesh. He was born flesh. I mean, he was God's son, but he came as a man. Right? But the Bible says that he was a man rightly connected to the Father. And that everything he did, he says, I didn't even come to do my own will or my own desires. But I came to do the will of the one who sent me. In other words, I came to protect his agenda. Whatever I do on earth will be according to his agenda. I'm going to protect my relationship with him. By acting in accordance to his agenda. In other words, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. He was a man rightly connected to the Father. His actions, his behavior, his lifestyle was a, was a natural byproduct of his connection to the Father. 
That's why when Jesus was being baptized, the Father already gave him an A-plus on his report card at his baptism. And he didn't do anything yet. The Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove. And the Bible says that a voice from heaven came out saying, A-plus, son, I'm so pleased with you. Way to heal the sick. Way to cast out devils. Way to live a perfect, sinless life. Way to go to the cross. He didn't even say any of that. He says, I am already pleased with you because you've kept your connection with me. Oh, He's pleased with us by our connection. If we can learn to connect to him, all the behavioral things, all the lifestyle things, all the things that, that we try to, to deal with with self-help and external boundaries and rules, all that will be taken care of with our connection to the Father. We cannot fix any behavior unless we start with the connection. Like, how many have ever tried that? Go ahead. Good question. Joey, what other, what other things can I do to connect to him? I'm going to blow your mind right now. Going to church, reading the Bible, those aren't things that connect us to him. They help, but the real, like I can go to church and still not connect to him. I can read the Bible and never connect to him. And that, that's kind of weird. And, and it's funny because Jesus even told the, the Pharisees, like, you know the Bible inside and out, but I am the Word made flesh and you don't even recognize me. I'm standing here. What you're reading in there, I am the flesh form of what you're reading and you don't even know me. Because there has to be a thing where our heart turns toward Him. And I don't even know how to tell you how to do that because I only know what works for me. I know when my heart turns toward God and connects with Him. There's that moment inside of me that, that I know where I have connected to him, where I have turned my heart towards him. What I have to do now is recognize what it is for you. Joe, it's going to be different for, me, for you. I mean, yeah, it's going to be something that we all inwardly turn towards him. It's an inside-out thing. But some, some people can do it really fast. Some people take some time. Some people, as you, you, you grow in it, you get better at doing it. Some people just walk with him. You know, and that's the, that's the journey that I want to walk with him. The Bible, even in the Old Covenant, a man named Enoch walked with God until he was not anymore because he's walked with God. <laughs> and so it's just you figuring out in your own time, just between Joey and God, no one around, how to connect to him. Like, how, how do we connect to our, our spouse? Like, how do we know, like, I'm really with you right now? How do I just eat dinner and answering your questions, but I'm really connected? I don't know. I can't tell you how to do that in your marriage, but... There is a point where you both know, oh, we've connected right now. Now we've got to figure that out with God. And that can only come through, through the secret place. Just closing ourselves in with Him. Um, I, I've been saying this a lot lately because it's so true. The secret place is the place where we're most like ourselves, and where we're at one with God. Because it's where He created us. That's why we cannot forsake the secret place. And that, what I mean by that is no one else around... You and God alone in your prayer closet. And, and can you do that in a crowd? Absolutely. We can come to church and everyone can go to their secret place and connect with God. And I think that when that starts happening, then the atmosphere in the room just shifts and it takes us to this new level that we, we didn't have when we were just in the closet by ourselves with God. Right? 
But it all starts there. It starts in the secret place. Even in Jesus' life. How many times did he tell his disciples, hey, I'll see you guys later. I had to go be with my father. He was even a little kid. And he, in the middle of a big festival, and there was thousands of people that made the journey to town to offer their sacrifices and, and worship to God. And, and he runs away from his parents. And they don't know where he is. And they're scared. They don't know where he is. Where's Jesus? Where did he go? And they go to the temple. And he's in there teaching the scholars. <laughs> like this little boy is in the temple holding court, telling them all about God the Father and about the, the kingdom and about everything, Moses and the, the law, and just revealing to them things they didn't ever know before. And they come and get him. And they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? You scared us. Don't do that again. How many of you have ever gotten separated from one of your kids? I guarantee you Mary came in there. Jesus, you scared me. Don't do that. And he's like, Mom, don't bother me right now. I have to be about my father's business. Whoa, even as a little boy, he knew, I got to do my father's business. I got to be about my dad's business. Again, I, we, we can't give you even points. Like, here's A, B, C, D, and if you'll do this, then you can connect with them in the secret place. There's no formula to it. I wish it was that easy. We can give you pointers, tips, but it's going to be you learning the rhythm of your relationship with God. It's, it's unique. It's unique to each person. You had your hand, you had your, did you? You had your hand, then Andy, go ahead, Therese. Yep, yep, exactly. Yep. Right. <clears throat> I think it's exactly right, just asking him. Right, we can all go there right now. Then what will happen, you'll begin to recognize, oh, that's what it feels like to be connected to him. You'll start recognizing that. Then you'll be like, okay, I want to stay there longer this time. Like, last time we were there, I was really connected to God. I was focused with him. My mind didn't wander on all the other things going on. I was really with him for two seconds. Give yourself a pat on the back. You did the two seconds. Next time, go for five. Go for ten. Go for ten minutes. And then learn to become aware with him. Like the scripture says, pray without ceasing. Like that blows the mind of, of most people. We think, I can't pray without ceasing. Is that even possible? Because we think of prayer as getting down, talking, prayer closet, that kind of prayer, or yelling out, quoting scriptures, all the things we do to pray. And we don't realize that what he's talking about there is not just the, the act of prayer and communication with God like that. He's talking about the continual communion with God, continual fellowship with him from, from day to night, day to night, day to night. And he calls us into that. I, I, for me, it's worship. Worship helps me connect. Number one, it helps me see him as he is. And the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So for me, the starting point is to just tell him how much I love him. Thank you for this thing. Thanksgiving, we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. So I think that's, that's a tip that all of us can use to learn to go to the secret place. It's through praise and worship, thanksgiving. Um, I, I know growing up, there would be times my parents would make sacrifices for me.
for, I had to have the newest Nike tennis shoes or um, the, the, when I was growing up, that was when Jordans started coming out. And I was like, man, I got to have the Jordans. I can't be the only kid on the basketball team with, with Asics or whatever the goofy brand was at the time. You know, Spot Built was an old brand back in the day. Some of you might remember it. Um, I was like, I can't wear those as basketball. I got to have, you know. And my parents would sacrifice, and they would get me the shoes that I wanted. And sometimes I wasn't really thankful. <laughs> How many parents have ever done that? And you're like, oh, come on, just be thankful. Thankfulness is such a key to having the right connection with the Father. Just being thankful. Telling him thank you for little things, big things, not forgetting all his benefits, like all the things he does for us. Those things protect the connection. It protects the connection with us. And, um, yeah, you have your hand? It's great. everyday decisions. I love it. And it, it, it speaks value to him by saying, this, this seems like a decision I can handle. I can handle whether we do green beans or corn or whatever it is. I can handle that, God. But it's telling him, hey, you know what? I fully rely on you. And that's an awesome point. Babe, did you?
do. Yeah. Do you have something? Exactly. Yep. good it's very good <clears throat> yeah two things came to mind as y'all were talking he's pursuing us way more than we could ever pursue him i mean think about that like we're like we we could get all like matt said trapped in our minds trying to figure out how can i connect to him just stop he's pursuing us like i don't remember there's a song someone wrote that that says um yeah, Kalani Glockler, she, we heard her, and it's, I think the song's called The Blaze in Your, in Your Gaze uh, is Calling Me Into You, and she's like, um, it, it's, it was the words, I can't remember exactly what it says, it's neat knowing that, the, the, that I'm being pursued by the very thing I was pursuing. Like, the thought of that is awesome, and it's overwhelming, and so I want you to know that too, that God's pursuing us. He created us for fellowship. I mean, he's, He wants that more than we could ever want it. Number, number one. Number two thing that came to mind was that the number one thing that keeps people from connecting to God is, is guilt and shame and feeling like they messed up and don't deserve to be in God's presence. Look, God's not threatened by sin. He's not threatened by ugliness. If that was the case, then he never would have died on the cross for us. Because right? the Bible says, Romans 5, 8, write it down. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. It says, the first part says, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. That, that tells me that my filth, like we always feel like we got to clean, well, let me clean myself up a little bit first before I, no, he just wants us to just come into his presence. Those things will be taken care of. If there's behavioral issues or patterns of behavior in our life that are sinful and ugly, he will tell us about those things. Holy Spirit, the Spirit of holiness, will reveal those things to us and take care of it. But we can never have that happen if we don't 
Come before him in, in his presence. And, and you, if you've been around here for any length of time, you've probably heard me say this, but Adam and Eve in the garden, they showed human nature. They messed up, and what did they do? They hid from God. Where did, what did God do? He kept his appointment. Like They meet every day at a certain time. He didn't break his appointment because they sinned. They broke their appointment because they sinned. They stopped going to the place. So like, he's not afraid of what we do. He can handle that stuff. He's really good at fixing broken things. Yeah. I think a good way to see it is like, you know when you have company over and your house is dirty? Like you feel like you've got to clean your house for the company? Well, the thing that's different about God is that he actually lives in the house with you. Yeah. So the house doesn't get dirty because he's there with you. Yeah. And it is kind of foolish. <laughs> yeah, he was there when we did the stupid thing. So why would we think, wait, wait, wait a second, hold on, stay there. Let me clean up a little bit. Okay, you can come on in. Like, it's really foolish if you think about it, but we fall for it every time because the enemy knows the biggest thing that scares him is not you healing the sick. It's not you casting out demons. The thing he's most afraid of is you knowing God, period. He is most afraid of your connection to God. I mean, if people can heal the sick, cast out demons, and do all these awesome things and, and still go to hell, he doesn't, he's not afraid of those things. What he is afraid of is when people figure out how to connect to God. So he will do everything he can to keep us from doing that. He'll bring busyness to our life, and we'll allow busyness into our life. Other things. I mean, we could just go on with a list of things he uses to, to break that connection point. Exactly. That's the two things. He, he doesn't want you to know who God is, and he doesn't want you to know who God says you are. Those two things are the central things that he attacks. If he can stop those two things, don't know who you are, don't know who God is, he will be a happy man. He feel like he did his job. And uh, it all starts with that connection to the Father. Read homework. Go home and read John 15 and read it and read it and read it. And read it, the abiding in him, abiding in him. And ask him, what does that mean? What does that mean, abide, live, cohabit? It's good stuff. Anything else? Any questions? That was good. It's all good for us to, to hear it. Go for it and think about it. good. I, I'm glad you said we, we have hit music for, some, for weeks 
in the church, like randomly. And like we're not one of those people, we're not ever going to legislate from the pulpit. That's not what we do. We're not going to make rules from here for life. But I will say that I'm even careful what I listen to Christian music because some, there's some really bad theology out there. And so what I have to do is like, okay, is this stuff like taking me closer to the Father, pursuing the kingdom, or is it talking about my problems? Because how many knows there's a lot of even Christian music right now that talks about poor me, my problems, and well, it's okay, even though we go through all this, God's still good. That is not overpowering, overcoming music. That just kind of makes me more depressed. Like the other day, I won't name any radio stations. The radio station was on when I got into a vehicle, and I was, it was listening to it, and I was like, if this is the only worship or godly stuff that I listen to, I don't know if I would even know God. Like, I don't know if I, I would think he's not very powerful. I would, I would think, man, he just, he just can't fix people's problems. It's just going to be messy from here on out. Just get used to it. Deal with it. It's life. And I think he's better than that. So find some music that talks about you're an overcomer. You're an overcomer. God can do anything. Nothing's impossible with him. His love pursues you. It never, like we sang that song, his love never fails, never gives up on me. There's stuff that encourages and lifts you up. Um, so, yeah, be, even be careful with some, some of it out there. I'm glad there's a huge variety of stuff. Thank God that Christian music has become various and it didn't all sound the same. I'm so happy about that. But let's make sure that some good words. <laughs> and there are a lot of Christian bands that start out Christian so that they can make it secular. So a lot of what you're hearing is Christian bands are not Christian bands at all. So be careful. It's okay. the easiest way to get into music. It's true. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, like, is this taking me to where I'm supposed to go? That's how I think about everything. Even sermons I listen to, people I listen to, I'm like, okay, wait a second. It's good. It's fine. It's, it's from the Bible. That's cool. But is it taking me where I'm supposed to go? Because if not, maybe I don't need to listen to it right now. So I'm really careful what I listen to and who I listen to. I'm, I'm a music snob and a preaching snob. I just am. I'm, like, so particular. It's, it's just... I'm sorry, because I want to protect what God's speaking into me. I want to put boundaries on it. And we put boundaries on for multiple reasons, right? Number one, to keep bad out, but also to keep the good stuff that's in, in. Right? And so that's when we put boundaries on stuff. So music, again, it's so funny. We've hit on that a few times. Oh, yeah. Always makes, it, makes me think of Space Jam. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. <laughs> Talking Space Jam up here. Anything else? We can just pray and we can close it out. Thank you guys so much for being here and letting us just kind of meander around tonight. Enjoy it. Y'all had good comments and questions and stuff. I like I like being able to do that. Um, let's just pray. Um, Lord, we thank you for your word. I, I thank you for what you're teaching us tonight about pursuing connection with you. We know that's the key to everything that, that you've promised us. It's the key to everything that will make our heart content, Lord. It's just being right with you, being close to you. So teach us, Lord, to abide with you, to walk with you. Help us to protect that connection with you, Lord, to guard it at all cost. Yes, Lord. Now help us to hear you more than we ever have before. 
make your voice clear to us. Let us hear it so clearly, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, bless you guys. We love you. Have a great rest of the week.